All right, it is time for E3. Just booked my flight to LA, and now I'm getting in. And uh, where is everybody? Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we are talking about all things E3 2021, from rumors to expectations to hopes to Breath of the Wild 2. Let's see. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Kirk Hamilton. And I'm Maddie Myers. Hello, we are back for another episode. We are. Hello, it's my us. We are. It's the three of us. You two <laughs> will not believe what I have in store for you today. And that is oh boy. a weather update. What? <laughs> Whoa. So this is it's been like I think we're seeing the world end here in New York because for the past two mm. days, maybe three <laughs> days even, um, every single time it is 4 p.m suddenly the sky darkens and there's like a 10 minute thunderstorm and then things go back to normal it has been so strange you know what's funny is you know where the weather is just like that especially in the summertime is in south florida in miami Mm. um there's you could almost set your clock by the afternoon rain that would happen every single day so it's like new york is slowly turning tropical (laughs) not a good sign not a good sign for no probably not no no. Um, but yeah, that's Aww. my weather update. It's also boiling hot here, um, which has been miserable. But hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you gonna yeah, do? we turned off our ACs for this one, <laughs> um, folks. One thing you can do to uh, stay out of the, su- the summer heat or at least uh, uh, escape from the summer heat is subscribe to Maximum Fun because I'm a Maximum Fun member because you'll get a bunch of triple click bonus episodes, bonus episodes of our show. And therefore you will have more distractions from the miserable weather mm. around you. Or because um, they're really cool bonus episodes. That's where go. I thought exactly. you were going. That's good. I was exactly. wondering where you were going with that. Both of those work though. Cool beans, if you will. Mm, they are um, cool beans. That's true. Yeah, of course, triple click is entirely listener supported and we appreciate yeah. the support of everybody who, beca- who is a Max Fun member. Um, and we like to, uh, give y'all free content well extra content as a as a as a bonus for for joining not free content this this is free the show is free um but the bonus content is not so thank you all for joining just a reminder if you want to join go to maximumfund.org slash join and you can become a member today sign up at any level we appreciate anyone's support and you will get not only a giant library of bonus episodes but also you will have access to this month's bonus episode which is Final Fantasy VI, the Beans cast. Finally, we will be talking mm-hmm. about the entire game. You, you two have been on a journey finishing this game, and we it's will. It's true. I've been playing it. it has, it's a real journey. This game's the saga. I'm excited it to talk saga. about it. Um, what was your comparison the other day, Kirk? The, like the Avengers? It's the second half of the game. Is it's like the Avengers. It's like every single Avengers movie, and then. Infinity War, and now we're playing through Endgame. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, the second all half is in Endgame. this one game. <laughs> exactly. So cool. So many portals. So dramatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, let's get to it. It is time for Video Game Christmas. E3 is almost here. This is kind of a, a strange year because it's virtual, it's digital only, so not quite the same as normal E3, which we will we'll talk about some of the differences in a bit. But hey, first of all, it's E3 time. Let's get excited, shall we? This week... 
we will be doing our Triple Click E3 preview. We'll talk about what we expect to see, what we hope to see, and some maybe some of the the little rumors that we've been we've been hearing. Uh, we'll 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 talk about all of it. We'll go through we'll go through everything. But first of all, I want to open the floor to everybody here for each of us to name one thing that we want to see most at this year's E3. Uh, Kirk, why don't you start? I've definitely become a person who gets very excited about Nintendo in general. Mm -hmm. So I want to just see cool things from Nintendo, like just something new, maybe. Um, Like we'll see things that leak out, you know, about whatever Marvel XCOM, these games from 2K Mm -hmm. and from other major publishers. And they'll be like, okay, that sounds cool. I can usually kind of imagine it. Like I can picture the trailer in my head. I'm like, all right. I feel like there's always one or two things, though, that Nintendo shows that just they're smaller, they're weirder, they're just not things I would have thought to expect. Or uh-huh. they're like old Nintendo franchises that I'm not that familiar with, that they're bringing back or re-releasing or something. So I'm excited for Nintendo. I'm excited for them to just announce a few new things for the Switch. So I would say that. Just something new at Nintendo. Not Breath of the Wild too. Something totally new. Well, but then, no, but that's actually, I mean, of course I'm excited for that game, but I'm... You know, I I kind of treating that a little more as an inevitability, and it feels a little right. more in line with those other games where I can imagine. Right. I'm sure that that game is going to be amazing, but like I can kind of imagine that I want the thing that's more surprising. You want to surprise? I got it, mm. Maddie. What's you? I think I can guess. Uh, you can Metroid. <laughs> I just want any Metroid news at this Anything. point. I feel like it's been a while. I don't care if it's Metroid Prime 4 news. I don't expect that anymore. I, maybe that game won't ever come out. That's fine. I wish everyone at RetroLog, I'm, I'm worried for them every day. I wake up and I worry. Um, but I, I, want, I want that Metroid Prime trilogy re-release on Switch. Maybe a remaster, maybe just a re-release. I feel like that's a no-brainer. I don't understand why it's not here yet. I feel like that'd be really easy layup for people who are waiting for Metroid news and that seems like a possible thing, but I would also just like any new Metroid video game. I'll take a remaster of Metroid Prime Pinball. Great video game. I don't care. I just think <laughs> I just think I've waited for a while and I deserve a new Metroid video game. That's my opinion. I think so, when it comes down to it, that is the important consideration. Yeah, I, I feel like has been waiting for a what while. I personally deserve is what really matters here. <laughs> like it's been a long year. I I'm not that excited about the release slate coming up. I I just feel like I need something to look forward to personally, mm. and mm-hmm. I think it should be a Metroid video game mm, that's what i want it's the 35th anniversary they've got a yes I, you know it. that you know when i am doing my charlie day-esque like twine on the corkboard mm-hmm. that is one of the items on my corkboard is the fact that it is the 35th anniversary of the very first metroid game later uh-huh. this year and nintendo likes anniversaries like we just celebrated the year of mario for the whatever beginning of this year and that mattered to them so i could see them caring but the difference is that mario actually sells copies Shh. <laughs> so can I can I at the risk of going on a tangent here suggest uh-huh. that I think it's interesting that the 35th anniversary would be seen as a noteworthy anniversary because there's right. kind of like a tier ranking for anniversaries right like 50 100th obviously is mm-hmm. huge though anything that's been around for 100 years it's kind of like a whole different category of thing because right. 100 years uh-huh. is a long time ago 50th is big 25th is big I think just because it's like a quarter of 100 or a half of 50 even though mm-hmm. it's a five people like like zeros so 10 20 30th mm-hmm. i feel like it's a little not as cool 40th feels like a bigger deal 
You know what I mean? Like these things, like 45th anniversary, not a big one. And mm-hmm. 35th anniversary, I gotta say, like not not in the top tier of, of anniversaries. So it's obviously <laughs> okay. better yeah. than like 32nd anniversary or something. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's get let's get back on track and not get into what anniversaries matter. Here. I think we should talk more about anniversaries. <laughs> let's rank the anniversaries. How good um, or bad are they? Do they matter? Um, <laughs> also, right, I'm turning up. 35 this year, just like Sam is. Did Kirk just say my birthday doesn't matter? All right. I that's oh, no. true. I think that was really just a subtle, a subtle diss of you. All right. right. All right. Back on the rails. I'm steering, steering this track back on the rails, just like okay. uh, Link in the Phantom Hourglass or the Spirit yes, Tracks. Okay, wow. He, deep cut. I like that, it. That yes, train yes. around. Video um, games. My answer, by the way, is Final Fantasy 16, which I don't actually think will mm. be at, at E3. I imagine yeah. that it's like going to be tied up into some Sony thing down the road and Square Enix, when they announced their conference, didn't even mention Final Fantasy. So I'm, I'm, I doubt it'll be there. But that's that's the game that I want to see more of, more than anything. That's the trailer I've rewatched more times than, than <laughs> anything else. Um, as excited as I am for the Nintendo stuff, just like you two, Final Fantasy is my thing. Um, mm-hmm. Maddie, you and I have been Kirk. Kirk has been in 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 a his own little bubble, his own little music <laughs> bubble, where he doesn't have to really think about E three other than it's getting true. excited about it. While you and I have been in the thick of planning mode for E three, I wanted to before we even get into like what is Ubisoft going to show, what is what is Sony, what is Microsoft going to show, whatever it is. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the planning this year because since this is such a strange year, I guess. Usually, usually what we do in the lead up to E3, like what we did at Kotaku every year, is mm-hmm. you we reach out to all the big game publishers, hear about their plans a little bit. We set up appointments. We put together a big schedule that is like, okay, Maddie is going to this, this, and this. Um, in-person appointments at, at the show. Yeah, in-person yeah. appointments at the right. LA Convention Center. I, I was usually in charge of like putting together the schedule at Kotaku, so I would try to make it so like everyone got to see the things they would be personally interested in, and there was a whole delicate balance to like like hearing these things from companies. Sometimes companies would tell us um, either hinted things or like tell us things, like hinted a genre of a game they were they hadn't announced yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was all kind of with the understanding that we weren't going to be reporting this stuff, which is totally fair because it's just it makes our lives easier to hear this stuff. So in exchange for you making my life easier for planning purposes, I will agree not to report on your game that you're hinting at, your new Tomb Raider or whatever that you're hinting at. Totally fine. Mm -hmm. Totally fair. Fair deal there. Um, Because it's virtual this year, there's been none of that. There's been no, like... At least from what I've seen, there's been no demos, no playing of games. There's been no interviews. Um, usually, we we get interview. We got interviews with like Nintendo developers who were flying out from Japan just for just for E3 or like Square Enix developers. There was always some cool stuff. It was always my highlight of E3 was like getting to to talk to people that I didn't get to talk to. This year, there's none of that. My I think I have a total of like two appointments for this year's E3, and other than that, my E3 is essentially the same as everybody else's, and then it's just watching the press conferences. <laughs> um, Maddie, what has your E3 booking experience been like? I think you've done a little bit more or gotten a few yeah. more appointments than I have, at least. We have. I mean, I think when you asked me earlier today, I listed five appointments that we had on the docket and some maybes, which are some smaller things that wouldn't necessarily be appointments we would have taken in an mm-hmm. in-person E3 unless somebody was really passionate about it. But I, I think the main difference is something that's already been happening over the course of the pandemic with in-person events, which is just that all video game preview coverage has had to move 
online, just in general. And all of these publishers have had to find ways to distribute or stream video game demos for reporters. That's just something that's been happening this whole time to very success. I, I <laughs> any, <laughs> any reporter who's done one of these knows how crappy it is when you're trying to play like a competitive multiplayer online game, but like streamed over Discord or whatever, or that there's specific proprietary software that they use and hook up with you so that you can mm-hmm. play it but it's always terrible and you're always like parsec, I'm just guesstimating parsec yeah parsec yeah. is one of them and it's so that's awful and then also sometimes they'll like stream a demo to you where you're watching somebody else play because that's the best they can do and then you're like okay is my internet good enough that I'm really getting a good sense of what this actually <laughs> looks like or not and a lot of times they won't let you um, download a demo because they don't want you to leak it and they don't want you to betray anything before of whatever embargo you're agreeing to and E3 is the same way but I think that part of why there aren't as many demos or preview events or like um, interviews associated with big announcements and demos is because these publishers have already gotten used to divvying that up throughout this past year. Like E3 didn't functionally exist last year. And so we are already in this weird post E3 zone where people are like, well, if it's a Zoom interview, that could just happen anytime. Right. And that is sad because what you just described, Jason, is this unique, really cool experience of in-person meetups and the spontaneity that can only happen with in-person that just can't be replicated this year. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I could go on and on because I feel like the other half of it is that more people can experience E3 this way, Mm. but they're not really experiencing E3 in the way that a reporter ordinarily would. So yeah, it's been It's been interesting to see how different it's been this past year and also this this E3 in particular. I think that's interesting about the software that they use to let you stream the games yes. because I've been wondering about that. Like I know I remember yeah. didn't Cyberpunk do a Stadia demo. They actually used Stadia's technology, but it sounds like not everyone I would assume that that would be a good use for Stadia, uh-huh. but it sounds like Stadia is not actually really being used in that way. No, it's not. I think that cyberpunk demo was also very limited. We were not offered that for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, I was enough for that. <laughs> it was just it just came to mind because I remember it. It was Stadia. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think you're right that like a, a cloud streaming option would be really good, and maybe in like six years we'll get there. But for now, it's just not quite it. I mm-hmm. I don't know. But there's also mm-hmm. there's not no comparison to an in person interview. I it's no. just that's the ideal or like running into somebody in a hotel bar and getting some dirt. Like those are the E3 experiences that you can't have in this format. It's just, that's lost. Yeah. It's, it's a big loss in two ways. And to your point, Maddie, one is that um, especially when you're talking to the Japanese developers, which I mean, I haven't actually done much on zoom and certainly haven't done in the past year on zoom, but, um, but when you're doing it in person, it's a much different experience because you're sitting there in the same room as the translator. Who's, who's kind of uh, facilitating between you and the developer. You can see their facial reactions. You can see their expressions. You can kind of get more of a read on them and you can ask questions that aren't like, don't feel as canned as you might have to if you were like waiting for it to get facilitated like in on a on a call when like anyone could hang up at any time like it's just a much different experience um uh, and then the other aspect of it like you mentioned like meeting people at the bars or just like uh the experience of networking or really just hanging out with cool people and getting to see people that you don't get to see very often it is 
a, a very good thing that more people might have access to this sort of thing um, that that wouldn't be able to afford to fly out to LA and, and get a hotel and stuff like that. But um, you really do lose something. And it's very difficult for people in our positions, journalists, to um, to meet new people and, and get to know people when you're not, you don't have anywhere to do it. It's not like you can just go to the, to the fig um, mm-hmm. after, after virtual E3, <laughs> sadly. Yeah. Do you not feel like the E3 uh, online avatar portal is exactly <laughs> the same? Do you not you feel imagine? like that's really good? Could you imagine, imagine like, oh my God. There's like a like second an, life E3 where like we all log into that. and rule. It, what's, <laughs> what's so funny is that yeah. E3, so we, as we know, the ESA is not to be trusted. They leaked a bunch of per- people's personal information a couple yes. of years ago. Um, yes, I'm did. imagining a situation where like they, they put together an, a networking event and like a journalist goes off with some game developer in the corner and the developer's like, oh, did you hear this thing? And E3 leaks it. <laughs> yeah, like so all of it. Yeah, like all of the, the messages world. are part of whatever proprietary software that yeah, E3 leaks. Yeah, all of the yeah, chats. That would be all of the great. <laughs> <gets leaked>. <laughs> um, I feel like there's been, this just as a more as an observer, there's been a, a really noticeable diffusion happening with E3. And of course, mm-hmm. last year was really weird because it was so last minute and so many things changed. But this year it's felt still very diffuse to me where a lot of the events that are happening are not E3 events. Like we're talking about E3 as though it is still the event that you described, Jason, where it's like in one conference center or convention center and everybody gets together and it's all kind of under this umbrella, even though there are always these sort of big brands sort of carving out their own space under that umbrella, they do stay in there. And then just over the years, we've sort of seen more and more. Microsoft does its own thing. Sony does its own thing. And it's like at the same weekend because they know everyone's in town, but it's not technically Mm -hmm. part of E3. When you remove the geographic connection, it's just like there are some streams happening more or less in the same period of time. But a lot of them have nothing to do with E3 at all, as far as I can tell. And like for me, at least, as someone who is just sort of following along and being like, well, when am I going to find out? about the stuff so I can talk about it with Maddie and Jason. It's been yeah. like hard to nail down what exactly is even happening and yeah. when. It's been hard for us too, weirdly. <laughs> I guess that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. There's also the summer game fest. But so what you're describing, okay, so E3, it's helpful for for an outside observer to think of E3 as happening in two parts. One part is the press conferences where all the game announcements happen. That's like what people generally think of as E3, all the exciting megatons and surprises and big trailers and reveals. But the second part is what happens after that. So usually that all ends by Tuesday. And then Tuesday to Thursday is when the show floor opens up and everybody can go and play games and do interviews and meet with people. And that's when, from an outsider's perspective, you'll start to see just like a constant flood of news as like journalists play games and write about them and and you get to read their previews or journalists um, talk to developers and get scoops and post them on their websites and you get to see like, oh, uh, this developer said his game will have 14 weapons instead of 17. Oh my God, it's a conspiracy. No, so so that, that <laughs> yeah, whole you know, second game part... News. <laughs> So that whole second part of E3 is just straight up not happening this year. There will be mm. nothing like that. Like, like I said, I don't have any interviews booked. I don't know if you if you guys have any at Polygon, but like, um, maybe we'll see developers talking to like um, Greg Miller on the E3 stream. But there's no opportunity for journalists to be like going out and playing games and and meeting with people. So there's no like like every year at E3, I love to to talk about like, oh, I just found this cool indie game like in the corner of the of the show, and like this game is awesome. I, yeah. I it's on my radar now and no, 
none of that is going to happen. So from a customer perspective, from those of you out there listening who don't typically go to E3, the first part will see, will be basically the same. You'll see the press conferences. There will be the announcements. Probably a little muted because, A, it's not live, so there's no crowd. But, um, B, it's COVID, so a lot of games are delayed. And, and who knows if there's actually going to be all that many cool surprises. But um, the second half just won't happen. And, and it'll be interesting to see, like, what kind of impact E3 has a result has as, as a result of that. Yeah, probably kind of a sad one in terms of what we get to write about. I would say we do have some interviews booked, but they're identical to the way that we've run previews the rest of the year that I described, right. where there are Q&As available for upcoming games, and it'll be like, we're planning to debut this specific trailer at E3, so that's when this interview is embargoed for, is right, when the trailer right, right, drops. Right. Okay. And here's some Got more it. details about the game that we're showing off, which is the type of interview you would get on the floor at E3. But the core difference there is that those interviews are happening over Zoom and could, in theory, happen literally any time. And the only thing it's mm-hmm. timed to is when the trailer happens to drop. And it's not its not as naturalistic of a reason to have an interview as like an in-person one where you might also then be like, let's talk about some other stuff. And it's, right. it's just there aren't as many interviews as well. Like that's the other challenge that both Jason and I have been complaining about in Gchat where it took a very long time for it to be entirely clear what was happening at E3 at all. The schedule <laughs> was very late in coming um, uh-huh. and announcements Still not clear. <laughs> very late in coming. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of planning's kind of been thrown together this week, but uh, yes. we love that. We love short, that. Short version, so fun. <laughs> I cannot wait for this to get back to LA. Like I really hope there's an E3 next year and that it's back to normal because I really want to go and I miss yeah. it. I miss traveling and I miss E3 like being in person. So related to that, the idea of this getting back to normal, to me at least in a kind of a big picture way, this feels like an industry that was once physical and has become almost entirely digital, wrestling with the entire idea of what a trade show could be for it. Since you go back to the origins of any trade show, the whole idea of like a car trade show or like NAM, like a music thing, it's to go and like see the new guitars or like play the new model and they debut their new physical things. And video games used to be that way too. And that's what E3 was all about. And like as video games have become entirely digital, which has been a kind of a recent development, you know, just the last sort of couple generations, you mm-hmm. know, really the PS4, um, Xbox One generation was like when it really fully went digital. It's increasingly clear that like there's not as much for them to really show and that the whole of E3 kind of doesn't need to exist anymore. As cool as it is to have everybody in that building, like why yeah. are they there? And it's so expensive and it's such a logistical headache. And all these people are realizing like, we can just show our game here and then just work on it and have this kind of a remove, which I know isn't entirely a positive thing for everybody. Yeah. But I could totally see more people just realizing that they want to keep this going. But the other part of E3, Kirk, is the part where people are making business deals and retailers are looking at games. But can't like, you make business deals anytime? Sure, but I would argue that in a world where people are increasingly going more remote and... um I imagine, I mean, we just saw Ubisoft, Ubisoft uh, sent an email to its employees this week saying, um, we're going to support a hybrid model. And although they're not, they're only offering full-time remote work to a few, to like a small number of people, um, at the very least, people are going to be able to work from home a few days a week. And as that becomes more and more the case for many, many, many companies, um, being 
having a an annual excuse to all get together in person is even more important. Anyway, let's let's move on because we have to get through a lot of stuff. Let's talk about some actual games and and conferences and stuff. So yeah. let's go through a few of the big conferences and talk about what we hope to see, what we expect to see, maybe some rumors we've heard. Starting with Saturday, Ubisoft is the big one on Saturday. Um, they will presumably not be addressing their culture of sexual misconduct, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, they do. We don't expect to see. I'm that. sure they're going to no. get up and give a whole presentation about it. Well, at the, at the, they did one thing last year where Eves actually did say something, or they put something on Twitter. I don't, I don't remember. But anyway, yeah, let's see. They had like a statement. Um, yeah, they've but. said they've said they've got Far Cry Six there. They said they're going to talk about some Assassin's Creed Valhalla stuff. So safe to expect some DLC there. Um, they have said they are, uh, and and then other like their live service games, and then presumably they'll have other surprises. But the big thing, I think, their big showcase is going to be Far Cry Six. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what else we're going to see. I do know that Ubisoft has one thing that um <laughs> I was I was talking to someone I know at Ubisoft about a thing about I was like, "Hey, have you heard about this game?" and they asked me so so like nicely and uh genuinely to not talk about it publicly this game because they were like (laughs) we'd be so screwed please don't report on this so i'll do them the favor of not mentioning not even hinting at this one thing i've heard about but i don't expect to see like a new assassin's creed or anything like that i think valhalla is going to be the focus for a while um so i'm not sure how much other stuff we're going to see there what do you guys want to want to see or expect to see from I mean, this isn't what I want to see, but what I would expect to see is just something about one of their tactical shooters. Like they got to throw a division or a Rainbow Six or something on the. Oh pile, yeah, Rainbow right? Six. Uh, uh, they just changed the name from Rainbow Six Quarantine to Rainbow Six Extraction because you're not going to lose the game. Why would you do that? I can't imagine. You really? Well, Kirk. Wait, Maddie, you just asked why sarcastically. Kirk just asked. No, there genuinely. was. We were both asking completely we were both sarcastically. Asking why Jason. sarcastically. Oh, okay. was... Kirk, you looked serious. I've got to say. Kirk, yes, I was you really. Serious. I was. Mis- Mystified why someone would change the name of a game from Rainbow Six Quarantine. <laughs> it was good deadpan. Um, yes, they changed that name. Very good but that'll acting. be there also. I forgot to mention that. That'll be there too. Um, so yes, that Rainbow makes Six. Sense. Yeah. Rainbow Six, formerly known as Quarantine, will be Without there. an Assassin's Creed thing in the mix, I'll just kind of be like... You know, blogging my blogs for that one. and Enjoying life. Yeah, a lot of Ubisoft games... A lot of Ubisoft games that have been announced are in development hell right now. So mm-hmm. Skull and Bones has been in development hell for right, a long time. Yeah, um, just got yet another delay to like late twenty two yep. and beyond. Um, beyond Good and Evil Two is very much in development hell. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. Oh, I expect yeah, nothing I don't, from that. I don't think they've been public about it, but from what I hear, it's like. Very, very early still. Um, Michelle Ansel left the company. The yeah, director yeah. of the game left the company. So it's that game is a mess. And then yeah. Avatar, from what I've heard, that game can't like even be like part of the like they can't talk about it or reveal it or anything until they ca- they're allowed to based on the movie marketing plan. <laughs> and because the Avatar movies keep getting Are delayed, that game yeah, is yeah, also yeah. delayed. Yeah, how funny is that? That they're like, wow. imagine working on a game where you're like tied to the schedule of this like, like <laughs> ambitious God. James Cameron movie. Of all the movies to be tied to, like that's the one you're tied to. I yeah. feel like normally it would be fine. It'd be NBD, but yeah. And then, yeah, I, I, Assassin's Creed is in an interesting place because they're really into like expanding Valhalla and adding more stuff to Valhalla. So that'll be a big thing for a while. I heard that they they made some recent changes and they might 
put something else out in the in the in the next year or two. But from what I've heard, they're they're working on. There's one big big Assassin's Creed in development that is like going to be really big <laughs> and their goal is to like and, and i know we're all like oh my god we need shorter games but from what i've heard this game is gonna be i don't know I mean, probably bigger than than others there's um, one thing that valhalla needs it's to be even bigger I yeah of the game yeah. that i'm still nowhere close to finishing despite playing like 60 hours yeah i think they should add more dots in like a different probably. color dot maybe yeah. like a bunch of different dots in there yeah that'd like get some me back new dot in colors yeah, I would yeah, be yeah. there for that. <laughs> and then there were rumors. There were rumors on the internet um, that I think I've heard similar things myself on it to uh, about Ubisoft Sophia. You guys know the Ubisoft Sophia studio. Mm-hmm. I think they made Rogue, Assassin's Creed Rogue. They did. Um, that they were working on something that was either canceled or morphed into DLC or something like that. There's mm. So so mm. there's a a lot of a lot of stuff is in flux there too. I think a lot of Ubisoft is just in flux, not just because of the cultural stuff, but because they've just been having so many development issues. Yeah, they're in a weird yeah. place. Like, I mean, like, I've, I'm not that psyched about Far Cry anymore as a person who used to love Far Cry. It just mm-hmm. is like, okay, I mean, I'll play it. They're they're always fun, but I'm a little like, this just is, I didn't even really watch the trailer or anything for the new one. It just kind of looks yeah. like more Far Cry, which is fine. But that's kind of their thing now is they have a few mm-hmm. of these franchises and they're like, here's another one. It's more. Yeah. And Ubisoft yeah. used to be a little more adventurous. Or I, I, I like it when they are more adventurous, which they still can be. Far Cry 6 comes out this fall. From what I've heard, if I remember correctly, they're aiming to go in a radically different direction for Far Cry mm. after that, after 6. So maybe mm. maybe there'll be something more along the So look forward to that later I don't know. Um, in your life. This is all vague because <laughs> I haven't heard any concrete details about it. Um, mm. And then, yeah, and then they have the free-to-play stuff that they've talked about a little bit, how they're yeah. getting into that world. But anyway, let's move on. Microsoft. Microsoft is on Sunday. Um, I'm skipping some of the smaller press conferences, by the way, like Gearbox. Like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Gearbox is another Borderlands spinoff. Cool. Um, Microsoft <laughs> on Sunday. Um, they will be interesting. Halo Infinite release date? Who Halo knows? Halo Infinite. Probably release date. Yeah, we've got to see release date now. I feel like if um, they don't put out a release date, we need to be concerned be for them emotionally. That would be so funny. If like, it would Halo Infinite and it's like 2024. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Um, We're going to put it on the next Xbox, actually. We're just going to let it bake for like six years. Honestly, right. that would be fine with me. I uh, Yeah, whatever they want to do is fine. <laughs> well, it's true. been a long time since the last Halo game, so yeah. it's... it's yeah, I don't know. Yes. Make it good. Um, Just make true. it good. Yes, that'll definitely be there. Um, I'm sure we'll see some of the other Microsoft Studio stuff, like uh, Psychonauts 2 will definitely be mm-hmm. there, and, and who cool. knows what else they've got um, under their bazillion studios that they own now. One thing we'll definitely see is a lot of Bethesda stuff, um, because this is the first like right. big press conference since uh, Microsoft bought Bethesda last year. Um, so the thing I know will be there is Starfield. Um, they've hinted at it. Um, I've reported it. Uh, and that is one game we will be getting a release date for. And people, I think, will be surprised because it's a release date, a very a specific release date um, that is way far out. It's like late <laughs> late next year. I won't say that. I'll leave it to them to say the specific date, but it's way late next year. Late 2022. Mm. Yeah, okay. that'll be... So- Bethesda is happening during Microsoft. Yes. yes, it's a joint. It's a joint press conference. That is interesting since they used to do their own press conference, and that I always know. felt yeah. a little bit like, I know that you're your own publisher, but did this really need to be its own press conference? So I'm fine with them being folded. Yeah. Well, some years, some years they didn't have enough to yeah. justify it, and some years they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they have some strong studios, obviously. Arcane. Um, one thing that's interesting is that they're two like 
next games there are two games for this year death loop and ghostwire tokyo which i think is for this year i don't remember if they've delayed it out of this year but those two games are both playstation exclusives so who knows if those I will know. actually be at the microsoft Press right or like timed exclusives right like, yeah yes, timed exclusives for like a year um and then yeah and then so so uh we'll probably see new stuff at least hints of new stuff just because like it feels like this is an opportunity for microsoft to say hey we bought bethesda here's what we've got going on and it's mm-hmm. all coming to xbox game pass day one expect to hear xbox Xbox Game Pass at least 400 times mm-hmm. during that press mm-hmm. conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, is there stuff you guys are hoping to see from the Xbox Plus Bethesda showcase? You know, I always like Microsoft's showcase, or I've come to like them more and more just because you never know what you're going to get because mm-hmm. they've become so sort of democratic in the way that they're just like everybody. And uh-huh. also they now own so many studios. That it <laughs> right. really, yeah. like, I'm, I'm trying to think of all the studios they've bought and there are just somewhere I'm like, what's what's like Ninja Theory working on? You know, like what's X, Y, or Z working on? So there's just going to be probably a couple things where I'm like, ooh, look at that. That looks cool. Or so, like a yeah. lot of indies tend to turn up at Microsoft. Microsoft so, is where Elden Ring was announced two years ago. At the right, Microsoft right. Mm-hmm. That's true. They always have sort of those big third party things that people mm-hmm. get psyched about. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it just for that reason. Yeah, there could be stuff like that it could be some some like third parties that come out of nowhere and and surprise us but who knows i mean i don't think that like there's going to be some big huge surprise announcement for fall of 2021 and that's something that people really need to keep in mind is that like covid has just screwed everybody um yeah Moving on, Square Enix is also on Sunday. They've already said that their big presentation, um, their big focus is on a new game from Eidos Montreal. And when they said that, I saw a lot of people being like, oh my God, Deus Ex, Deus Ex. To which I was like, sorry guys, Deus Ex is not coming back. Um, I wrote an article for Kotaku in 2017 about how Deus Ex was being put on ice and uh, Idos Montreal was working on a Guardians of the Galaxy game, which of course will be the game that Square Enix showcases on Sunday. So that's the big thing that Square is going to show. They're also talking about Babylon's Fall and um, the Avengers. They'll do some DLC for that, I'm sure, and um, <laughs> a few other things. Maybe some Final Fantasy stuff, but they haven't mentioned it. Um, one yeah. thing I will say, I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, <laughs> so on the App Store, uh, Square has changed the names of the games Final Fantasy 3 and Final Fantasy 4 to Final Fantasy 3 and Final Fantasy 4 3D Remake, um, which made a lot of people wonder, huh, what's the deal there? And my kind of theory there is that Square is preparing to release a compilation of all the 2D versions of those games. So like a Final Fantasy 1 through mm. 6 2D compilation, which would be hilarious because you two have been playing Final Fantasy 6 and we've been talking <laughs> about like how there's oh no way God. to like play, play it well. So mm-hmm. if they were to just release it now on the Switch or like announce it on Sunday on the Switch. Like I would FF1, just walk FF6. into the sea at that point, I think. <laughs> I'd just be like, okay, goodbye. Well, you That's would how these be, things tend to go. You would be Jokerified and you would turn into yes. Kefka and try to destroy yeah, the world. I would. I yes. would. Finally. Um, there's three statues in my neighborhood that I'm denying. <laughs> but yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is the big one. Um, I was talking to someone who worked on that game recently, and they were telling me that, um, at least as far as they know, uh, at least when they worked on it, it was not a service game. So um, maybe it's not going to be like the Avengers uh, clone that people have been worried about. Um, and this is the people who made the recent Deus Ex games, which are both pretty good. Um, so yeah. I think there's reason to be optimistic. Anyway, what are you guys hoping for or looking forward to from that one? 
Um, it'll probably be a little bit more about that Life is Strange game that looked kind of cool. Oh, yeah. That's also there. Uh, I'm True not a colors. huge Life is Strange super fan. I never played the second one, although I heard it was really good. Yeah. And that game seemed cool. It has a really cool Radiohead cover in the trailer last time that I downloaded mm. afterward because I thought it was a cool cover. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to, like, play that game eventually. Um, I'm trying to remember other Square stuff. I think that's the main thing that I might actually play that comes out yeah. of that. There's a yeah. rumor also about a Final Fantasy Souls game or Neo game, like a Neo, the oh, Neo maker sure. is doing a Final Fantasy game. Right. Uh, who knows if that'll be on Sunday, um, mm-hmm. if it's real. I don't have any confirmation on that one. I just have hmm. heard the rumor. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not super jazzed about Square Enix. It's just... I don't know. Their press conferences never really excite me. You're not so. going to play the Wakanda raid in Marvel's Avengers? What? It, what? Yeah, I'm, I'll just be curious to see how they're even messaging about the Avengers anymore. That game just makes yeah. me sad. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious about that too. Doesn't exist. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the Guardians game. I guess we'll see. Like it, when I hear about it, I just think, oh god, it'll just be like the Avengers, and it's going to be a bummer. But maybe it'll be good because, like you said, yeah. I mean, Eidos Montreal, that studio, anyways. I don't know if everybody there is still the people who made Deus Ex, but I really like those Deus Ex games. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I hope it's cool. Yeah, I mean, just imagine imagine if it's single player. And again, I, I'm not 100% sure that yeah, this Yeah, I can imagine case, plenty of versions of it that are... Yeah, that it could be cool. Um, okay, moving on to the one that we're all the most excited about, I think, Nintendo. On Tuesday morning, uh, Nintendo is doing their Nintendo Direct. Um, I think we they haven't said what's coming they've just said it's going to be mostly focused on 2021 um i think we can all just kind of safely assume the breath of the wild 2 will be there or else heads would roll um i expect something <laughs> my prediction for this one this is not an inside info thing so don't take this as a tease or anything but my prediction is that they will celebrate they will mm-hmm. say they will say screw you kirk we're celebrating the 35th anniversary of zelda and <laughs> the most important so, anniversary of all <laughs> and they're yeah. going to be like they're going to be like breath of the wild 2 is coming in 2022 but to tide you over until then we're releasing the um, skyward sword hd which we know about and then twilight mm-hmm. princess and wind waker on the switch like that wii u version mm-hmm. port um, and then also a remake of the oracle games oracle of ages and oracle of seasons in the style of the links awakening remake that's 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 my prediction that's my big uh, uh Zelda safe predictions but wishful thinking cool. wishful mm-hmm. thinking prediction um what do you guys hope to see or expect to see from nintendo this year i mean i already described it earlier in the show but i i just <laughs> wanted to say if the zelda thing happened i wouldn't be mad about it i mean no. whose 35th anniversary truly matters these are the things that people who work at nintendo argue about every day presumably and <laughs> that's that's all fine with me i would certainly play twilight princess again that's a cool video game midna's mm-hmm. a, a neat character so i'd be excited about that yeah, me too. I never really played. I never played Twilight Princess, and I didn't what? finish Wind Waker. Oh, it's yeah, so there's, cool. Yeah, there's definitely some Zelda gaps. It's in got just a slow like, start, but it's cool. Yeah, that's what yeah. I've heard. It seems like a game that was ready to be reappreciated when it was yeah. re, uh, re-released on Wii U. Yeah, I mean, we're all going to be digging into a Zelda gap next month with Skyward Sword, which that's I think I'm the only too. one who's played, right? Or you two mm-hmm. have both played it? Well, I, I, I played play the beginning it, yeah. of it. Oh, you did, but oh, I, did okay. not I played a pretty it. significant amount. But I mean, it's a huge game. But neither of you finished it. I'm the only one finished it because it's like isn't it like 60 hours long or something it's like it's pretty yeah it's pretty hefty from what i remember there are a lot of dungeons in that game Mm -hmm. um kirk do you have any like predictions or hopes or anything from that show no i'd love to see some surprises some surprises some just like unexpected little games or some indie things that are coming to switch kind of soon it's cool that they're Mm -hmm. focusing on this year i'm fine with that i don't need to like helps fill the gaps especially focusing on this year means that breath of the wild 2 is coming out this year because that would make me very happy (sighs) 
Yes. That'd be yes. wild. And I guess I should ask the two of you, since you're more tapped in, it seems likely we are not going to hear about a new Switch at E3. Does that seem right? It doesn't seem to me as though those two things will happen at the same time. Like the, the new Switch it would be It doesn't seem likely to me either. Time. And yet those rumors won't go away. I don't right. know. It's very odd. I feel like there's no room for that announcement based on what I know, but I could right. be wrong. Well, yeah. they were very clear um, in saying that this was a software direct. It's an Nintendo mm-hmm. Direct for right. software. So maybe a little later. The reporting, okay, so the reporting from my colleague Takashi Mochizuki at Bloomberg um, was that they were planning, that they were they could announce the Switch Pro ahead of E3 to allow partners and them to showcase games running on the Switch Pro without having to explain to people right. why the Switch game is such a high resolution. Right, why um, it says 4K in the corner of the screen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which it will, of course. Um, yeah. It doesn't necessarily. That's not necessarily the 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 going to be the the case. Um, and I mean, clearly, we're we're a few days away, and it hasn't happened yet. So we'll see what mm-hmm. happens there. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Switch Pro was announced a little bit later. Maybe it was moved. Maybe the announcement was moved. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Switch Pro is is definitely a thing, and I'm sure we'll see some mysteriously good looking games on the Switch. <laughs> That'll be a funny thing to keep an eye out for. And yeah, 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 like how good do the games look, like, and do they look mm-hmm. suspiciously good? Mm-hmm. That yes. would be yeah. What we have to keep um, an eye out for. Yeah, and I don't think I, I do not think that there are there have been certainly been no rumors that there are going to be like Switch Pro exclusive games. So um, I don't think that this is the type of thing where like you mm-hmm. have to announce the Switch Pro with the game. It's just that these games will look better on the Switch Pro. Um, mm-hmm. A couple more things before we uh, move on. Um, Take Two will be there. Capcom will be there. Namco will be there. Take Two, like you mentioned before, one of you mentioned before, there was a big 2K leak, Marvel XCOM, and and yeah. a couple other mm-hmm. things. The Borderlands thing we know will be at E3. They've been teasing it at Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, but um, but. I don't know necessarily that Marvel XCOM or like any of the other things that were leaked will actually be at E3. I certainly haven't heard as much. Um, that leak came from a very strange source, which was just some guy being like, hey, I heard about this on Reddit and just yeah. accurately nailing all these things. But uh, but yeah, so I don't necessarily know that'll be at E3. Um, Capcom and Namco are both doing their own little things. Capcom has said this will be great Ace Attorney, which I'm sold already. Like <laughs> that's, that's all I want to see. And a couple other announced games. And Namco, I'm not sure, um, but they're the ones who are publishing Elden Ring so maybe they will have something to say about that game mm-hmm. maybe Tales of Arise and some of the other JRPGs that they which have which is what people some... really want to see it's that, just Tales hey 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 man stuff. there's some hey t- don't don't <laughs> knock on Tales any final E3 hopes or predictions before we uh, take a break no I'm, I'm just sort of looking forward to it it's gonna be low key for me but I'm a fan yeah. of that so we'll yeah. be back next week to talk about what happened to actual things. Just wall to wall Metroid stuff next week. Yep, I can't wait for God, that. Could you gonna imagine? be great. Gonna if, be hours. What if, going over what if that, that actually happens? What if there's like a bunch of Metroid that stuff? That would be fantastic. Like, I'm wheeling it into the universe as we oh, speak. Man. Okay, so why don't we take a break and we'll be back with one more thing. From the internationally acclaimed creators of Who Shot Ya? comes the movie podcast, Maximum Film. Starring producer and film festival programmer, Drea Clark, as a woman bound by passion. I saw this eight months ago on the festival circuit. And I loved it. Film critic Alonzo Duralde as a man corrupted by greed. Why watch one Hallmark Christmas movie when I can watch seven? And comedian Ifiwadiwe as a man protecting a love that society simply won't accept. 
I think Pacific Rim is a perfect movie. And if you can't accept that, then I want you out of my life. From the makers of the movie podcast, Who Shot Ya, comes Maximum Film. That's right. We changed the name of our show to Maximum Film. But don't worry. We're still a movie review show that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. So tune in to Maximum Film at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard, and we have no advice. But we do see you doing it. Talk if you like to do it. (laughs) Didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, honk if you did it? That's what it was. I think it was honk if you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we not ever make those? Those We did make them. I think they're still in the Max Fun store. (laughs) Honk, honk. You're doing it. (laughs) Thanks, Biz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. Hong Kong. Toot toot. And we are back. It is time once again for one more thing. Maddie, what's your one more thing? Okay, so mine is a video game that I forgot to write down the full title of. The video game is titled DC Superhero Girls Teen Power, and it is based on or inspired by a television show, cartoon television show called DC Superhero Girls. I'm guessing you two have never heard of this show in your lives, um, but I have watched it, and it's very cute. It is kind of like Teen Titans Go, if you two remember Teen Titans being the kind of cooler, grittier cartoon about the Teen Titans, the DC teenaged heroes, and then Teen Titans Go was like the subsequent spinoff that was far more kid-friendly, cutesier animations. Lots of people who thought Teen Titans was really good made fun of Teen Titans Go and were like, I don't understand who this is for. This is a similar idea of what DC Superhero Girls is doing in the sense that it's like, you know, Harley Quinn's on the show, but it's like the version of Harley Quinn that you could actually show to a six-year-old and she'd be okay with it, as opposed to, say, the six-year-old who was in my screening of Birds of Prey and spent all of it crying. Um, Because I no. Yeah, that happened. Um, a mother took a, a very, very little girl to see Birds of Prey, I think, because Harley Quinn is like a character that a little girl looks at and is like, oh, she's so fun. She I want to be fun. just like Harley Quinn. Right. But like Harley Quinn is such an R-rated character. And so like DC Superhero Girls, the show is trying to take these gritty characters like Batgirl, you know, Barbara Gordon, like she has this grim backstory, but like she's on the show and she's like 10 and it's fine. And she just is also a superhero and it's adorable. It's a really cute show. It's really, really low stakes. Um, And the game is that way too. So Dean is actually the person who's been playing it and I've been watching her and that's been really fun because Dean is relatively new to games. I've talked about that many times on this show and this is like a relatively simple game but also pretty fun and somewhat complicated for what it is like there's a witch time dodge mechanic that's a little bayonetta-esque that's Mm. like kind of fun you run around the city you collect stuff there's this whole social media aspect and some of the dialogue is actually quite funny and cute because it's like you know poison ivy making fun of you for not being pro-environmentalism on your instagram (laughs) and so on like it's it's really cute so i feel like if anybody's listening and they like something low-key and they like either the show or they have a, a kid who's into the show, this game is pretty good, like surprisingly good, even though I've seen a lot of people on the internet make fun of it. It's on the Switch, Yeah, right? and I think it's just because it, like, it's not for the hardcore gamer audience, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's not for them. It is a game that is 
just not for the Elden Ring stands on Reddit. And so it feels right. <laughs> like a different kind of world, but it's actually really fun and cute. So I recommend cool. it. Nice. Yeah, that can be nice. Sort of breath of fresh air of like, oh, yeah. like different tones. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also yes, like yes, a, yes. it's it's not necessarily a different genre, but it's like, oh, this is a game that was made for girls. You know, like I, mm-hmm. it is just a completely different vibe in terms of its look, tone and atmosphere overall. And it's kind of cool to play a game like that every now and then yeah. and be like, oh, yeah, these games also exist. That's <laughs> nice. neat. Speaking of games with very different tones, I've been playing an amazing game that I hope you both check out. Um, so I've been playing a game called Overboard that was surprise released last week by Inkle. Inkle is the makers of 80 Days and um, Heaven's Vaults and a few other cool cool games. Inkle, they, they make very good text-heavy text games. Um, and Overboard is awesome. I, I mentioned, what, by the way, last week that my one more thing this week was going to be Backbone, which is another kind of narrative-heavy game starring a raccoon, the raccoon detective game. Um, oh, yeah. But that game actually yeah. didn't really gel with me as much as I wanted to, unfortunately. But Overboard very much did. And so Overboard, the concept is you play as this woman who has just murdered her husband by throwing him off of this cruise ship. Um, and it's set in like the 1940s. It's just after, like in at, at, the, at the climax of World War II, um, so you're leaving from Britain to go to America on this on this steamer ship, on this cruise ship, and you must find a way to uh, frame another passenger uh, for the murder and get away with it. It's the best pitch. I, I yeah, know this game. I have it downloaded. It's just yeah. an amazing pitch. It's a great idea yes. for a game. I'm sold and I, I haven't even played it. Not only is it a great idea, the execution is phenomenal. So the way that it works is you have a certain amount of time. You have about eight hours to accomplish this task before um, before someone and the crew calls everybody together and says, hey, we, we discovered that uh, your husband is missing. And so mm-hmm. let's talk about what we know. Um, and every action you do and every conversation you have takes up real time. Um, and every character in the game is on a schedule. So you can go to different places on the boat and you might see a character there or you know, might know that a character is not there and you might be able to do certain things depending who's there, what <laughs> items so you good. have, what <laughs> items you picked up. Um, you eventually, and you can keep replaying it, by the way. The idea is you keep playing it over and over again to see different outcomes. And and you have a checklist of like objectives you want to hit. So like you'll want to see all the different endings. So mm-hmm. there are some endings where like you kill a bunch of people and there's some endings <laughs> where you frame one person. There's some endings where like you manage, you make everyone think that it was a suicide um, and so on and so on. But um, what's really, really cool about it is that it's like, it's like, it's almost like um, uh, solving this in elaborate puzzle or like um, uh, tuning, like putting together a watch where like you have to put the pieces together in this perfect, uh, perfect order. And eventually you hit this crescendo of like, oh man, I did it. I pulled it off. This is so cool. Um, think about like a stealth game where like you're like, okay, I know this guy goes over here. This I'm going to sneak over behind just him. Just like Hitman. I mean, what you're yeah. describing is But like is narrative Hitman. style. Yeah, it is. It is. It's Hitman except with dialogue and with framing people and there's no actual moving. And like, after the hit, the hit has happened, and now it's yeah. like post Hitman. Yeah, it's- but it's all dialogue. It's all it's entirely text based, and and the graphics are very rudimentary. This is a game that was made in in five months um, during the pandemic. Like Inkle started nice. making it in January and released it in June. That's it's, but it's incredible. Even like 
the the scope is very small, obviously, but but it's still incredible. Um, and so so like you know, you might know. Okay, I want to kill this person, but this person is going to be over here, so they'll see me when it happens, unless I do it half hour later. And so I got to fill fill in this blank for half hour. Oh, this would be a good time to go and and talk to this other person and get her out of her room, so I can sneak into her room and plant sleeping pills on her nightstand, so everybody thinks she's crazy. And it's a whole giant like amazing contraction and I love mm. it. It's so good. It's called yeah. Overboard. It's on PC, uh, Mac, Switch and phone, uh, iPhone and it's the perfect game not just for like anyone listening to this but also for people listening to this who like have a friend or family member or, or spouse who is not into games like this game will be perfect for them. Just like 80 Days yeah, also from Ankle. Yeah, was. 80 Days rules. Overboard yeah. is awesome. Go check it out. Um, nice. Kirk, what's your one more thing? All right, my one more thing is well, it's a TV show that it also got me playing a video game. But um, the show that I watched was the new Netflix fantasy post-apocalyptic fantasy show Sweet Tooth, which I'm sure most of our listeners are at least aware of, or anybody with Netflix because they're promoting it, and I think it's doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has strike. It has a striking image of a young boy with uh, deer antlers, which is sort of what this show is all about. So the show is really cool. I really liked it. Um, I'm uh, Emily's traveling this past week and this next week. She's like visiting family and stuff and so it's just me and the dog so I've had a lot of time to just watch shows like I watched uh, Mayor of Easttown it was great Um, but I can just be like I'm going to marathon a show now it's sort of easier to do that Um, and I did that with Sweet Tooth so this is based on a Vertigo comic by Jeff Lemire or Lemire um, showrunner is Jim Mickle, who I know is very well regarded in the TV world so it's got some like prestige on it and people really like this comic which I've never read the premise is that it's like it's very close to home in a lot of ways. There's a pandemic that happens that wipes out almost everybody on Earth. Um, and it's, it, it's sort of a dissolving of the world called the Great Crumble. And it's just this sickness you get. It like causes your pinky to start twitching. That's how you know you've got it. And then you just die really quickly afterward. And um, a lot of that stuff would be kind of hard to watch just because it really, it's not like a zombie apocalypse or something. It's just people dying of this sickness. And it is mm-hmm. really like a much worse version of what actually just happened to us, even though this show started production in 2019. So it feels very real in that way. But the other thing that happens when this virus outbreak happens is that all babies start being born as animal hybrids. Didn't that happen with COVID? Yes, it did. So that's yeah. another way that it that it um, sort of mimics and <laughs> reflects <laughs> our reality back yeah, to yeah, us. Yeah. So that's the sort of fantastical element. And then the main character is this boy named Gus, who is sort of raised by his father in this sort of totally isolated environment out in the woods. And then he has to go out on his own in the in the premiere and he meets this sort of gruff former, you know, bad guy who's like become a good guy. And it starts to have a lot of Last of Us energy in some ways. So watching the show, I really liked it. I especially like the first four episodes. It gets a little busy in the second half just because they're covering a lot more ground. And that's cool. Like, I like the whole story and I'm psyched to watch the next season. But it really hits something special in the first few episodes that I hope they kind of find that energy more. So that's my kind of really quick whatever critique of the show. I I think it's cool and people will like it. Um, But watching it, I was like, this is really interesting tonally because it's a post-apocalyptic world. There's a lot of horrible stuff. There's a lot of awful people who are like, you know, especially um, out to get. They're called hybrids, the kids. And they're all kids because it's just it hasn't been long enough for them to be older than like six or seven. And um, 
you know, they want to experiment on them or kill them. They think they caused the virus. And there's a lot of like scary people and these militias. And, you know, the guy who he's working with is sort of this bad dude who kills people, but is also like, you know, secretly nice, of course. And the show could go a lot of different ways. And watching it, I kept being like, this is the kind of tone that I actually really want from this kind of story. Like, it looks like The Last of Us, it feels like The Last of Us, but tonally it's different. And it got me back playing The Last of Us too, Because I was like, what do I want to do after watching a couple episodes of this? Well, actually, I kind of want to play some Last of Us. And since they just updated it on PS5 to run at 60 frames per second, I was like, oh, we'll see what that's like. So I like picked up my new game plus, started playing through it. And it is so striking, that game, which we've talked about so much. Like, first off, going back and playing it, the gameplay design of that game is, like, better than anything ever. It's crazy how good, like, a given encounter with, like, enemies and stuff is. It's so good. And then I was like, wow, wait, is this game? Like, maybe I just love this game. And then the tonal stuff kind of catches up with me. And I'm like, ah, oh, but it's such a grinding drag. And, like, it's so dark it's so mercilessly dark and like these were these things that we complain about are you using this one more thing as an excuse to talk about no because <laughs> no i'm really i'm not um and it, i was playing it right after watching this show sweet tooth which is so similar like anyone who has done both of these things is listening now probably thinking something similar because you watch it and it really feels like the last of us but it has this different energy because there's this kid at the center of it and he is like really innocent and he like believes the best in the world and he's like amazing looking he has these cool little deer ears he's such a little sweetie and he just runs around and he wins everyone over and the magic of the show it's not saccharine it doesn't feel cheesy but his worldview winds up winning over these super jaded older people who've like seen the world fall and have become Joel and to watch that after The Last of Us, which is perfectly valid as an artistic statement that that show is the opposite. It's like, you know, Ellie kind of saves Joel, but in the end, really, Joel kind of brings down Ellie and everything. And like, it all falls apart. And it's like, really, it's just this horrible, like, entropy of just destruction to watch a very similar story that just totally moves in the opposite direction in a really artful way was kind of amazing. Like, I was like, I didn't realize how much I wanted to feel this way when watching this kind of a story and it made me value the show a lot more and to see it in an interesting way that again it's not to be like oh it's so much better than the last of us 2 it's not that it's just these two tones are so different even though this the material is so similar in some ways and it was just a very very interesting comparison to be making yeah this is yeah. a, a good time for an optimistic worldview as opposed to uh, a cynical, a cynical, especially one. like an optimistic worldview on like a terrifyingly real seeming pandemic, <laughs> like apocalypse, which is, you know, no, no small feat to pull that. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, sounds cool. It's a cool show. It's on Netflix. Cool. I recommend it. Good stuff. Um, okay, cool. Well, that is it for this week's episode. E3 is this weekend. We will all be tuning in. I will, uh, I don't know about you guys, I'll be hanging out at least a little bit in our triple click Discord to watch I'll along. I'll definitely with be there. Yeah. E3. That'll be fun. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, we will be back next week to talk about everything we saw. All right. I'll see the, I'll see the two of you next week. Kirk, Maddie, see you next time. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. 
Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.